young adults, um, we had this old bamboo stick, probably about a metre long. You know the ones that you use in your garden for propping up your veggies, you string them to, and all that. We had one of those in our house, and we kept it in our lounge, and it was called the Jesus stick. And when we had, when you're running young adults, occasionally the odd relationship would happen, and so we'd like to give them a bit of stick, so to speak. And so our couches had enough room for one person and the Jesus stick. So we'd put the person in the seat and we'd show them the length of the Jesus stick, we'd put it right there, right, there needs to be room for Jesus. It was all a bit tongue-in-cheek and all a bit fun. We, we had a lot of fun taking them around them. Make sure there's room for Jesus. Look, we've got the Jesus stick, like that's how much room Jesus takes up. Have you got room for Jesus? And it was, it was a lot of fun. We had a good time with it. Occasionally the boys would beat each other with the Jesus stick, which is probably not the best thing to be doing. Um, I don't think Jesus really beats us with sticks, so we tried not to use that as an example. But we used the Jesus stick to show, you know, as a bit of a joke, have you got enough room for Jesus in your relationship? Is there enough space here? I'm not sure. So um, we'd do that. If they were standing side by side, we'd give the examples of the, this is a side hug. This is the appropriate Christian hug, side hug. And if we stick the Jesus stick in between, it's a side hug. It's almost an A-frame hug. It was just a bit, just a bit of fun. But, you know, we use it as a bit of an example just to, to go, come on, guys, what are you about? What are you thinking of? What are you, you know, what are you doing? That's right. So, um, yeah, so we did all that. Bit of fun. Um, but imagine what it would be like if we had to physically leave room for Jesus. Now, I don't believe that he would have take up a metre, to be honest. I don't think he's quite that wide. But if we had to physically leave room for him, you know, Think about sitting next to a place at the dinner table for him if you're, you know, when you're preparing tea. Or leaving space for him in the car when you're dropping the kids off at school doing the Saturday morning sports run. You know, or having a chair for him in your office when you're at work, or you know, saving a seat for him when you go out for coffee with friends. You know, I think if we had to physically leave room for him, we'd be more intentional about making sure we had space. For him in their lives, no matter what season we found us in. Oh, Jesus is coming for the coffee. Have you got a seat? Oh, yeah, awesome. Cool. Oh, Jesus is coming for dinner tonight. Have you got an extra plate? Excellent. Great. Good. Okay, cool. Um, I think we need to get a bigger car because Jesus doesn't fit. We need to go to a minivan. You know, so if we had to think about physically leaving room for him, we'd be far more intentional about the space that we leave for him. So we used to joke about this Jesus stick and about leaving room for Jesus, but there was an important truth in it. No no matter what season we found ourselves in, whether we found ourselves single, in a relationship, studying, working, traveling, close or far from God, we should always make sure that we have room for Jesus in the season that we're in. Now, how often have you found yourself caught up and whatever is going on in your present season so much that you forget to make room for the one who carries us through the storms and the seasons that we journey through. You know, I've got to be honest, there are times and definitely seasons where it seemed like it was almost impossible to make room for him, no matter how much I wanted to. Oh, I'm just too busy. Don't you understand what I've got to do? I've got to do this job and this job. I want to get home before I've got tea. And the kids are going to get to sport. And we're doing this and this is happening. Oh my gosh. You know, it just seems like there's no space. You get to the end of the day, you're completely exhausted, you pass out, you wake up the next morning and say amen because you fell asleep praying. That was, <laughs> I definitely have seasons like that. You know, but Jesus always made room for the Father. 
No matter what season he faced or he found himself in, many times the Bible speaks of how he took, his, took himself away and took time to spend with the Father and pray. Now, even in his final hours in the Garden of Gethsemane, he retreated from his friends to pray and spend time with the Father. Now, this week, we entered into the season of Lent. Okay, so traditionally, Lent is seen as something that mainly Catholics observe, but it's actually a season for all believers. And it's a season that I have learned to look forward to over the years, um, when I remind myself to be challenged by it. So Lent encompasses the 40 days leading up to Easter, excluding Sundays, starting on Ash Wednesday and finishing the day before Easter Sunday. Okay, so Ash Wednesday was happened to be 1st of March this year. Okay, so it's a season of reflection and preparation leading to Easter and a symbolic of the season of preparation Jesus spent in the desert where he withdrew and, um, and fasted for 40 days. Okay, it's a period where we focus on living, prayer and reflection in order to grow closer to God. Traditionally, a core part of Lent was fasting and in today's world, many still choose to give up something important to them to spend the Lent period. I tried to give up chocolate and coffee one year. It was a disaster. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. I started off with a hiss and a roar, like, yes, I'm going to do this. But by 10 days in, I fell off the wagon in um, quite spectacular fashion. I the, nearly didn't survive. <laughs> yeah, the, the mind was living with the flesh for so, out. so weak. She was very angry. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> okay, so I, I mean, I can joke about... Failing at fasting, and I've got to be honest, fasting is, a, is a, actually a struggle for me. Um, I like food, I get quite hangry, um, I can't go more than a couple of hours without a cup of tea, so it's a big challenge, but, um, but it's an important thing to do. Now, over time, our hearts and souls, when left unattended, unintentionally get messy. Not one of us are perfect, and sin and shame enters in and tarnishes our lives. Lent is an opportunity to clear up the clutter of sin in our lives and come back to the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to make room for him. It invites us to deal with the mess. Now, this is not about quickly cleaning things up and pretending they're never there. Nor is it about ignoring the mess. Just stick it in that cupboard. Don't look at it. Just don't look at it. Ever done that when visitors come around? Oh my gosh, someone's coming. Shove them all in there. Don't look at that room. Just me? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Lent invites us to roll up our sleeves and sort through the debris of our lives. Now, we've just moved into a new house and have started unpacking. And there are boxes, like, everywhere. Like, every room, there's a pile of boxes. And some of them are empty and some of them are not. And it's just not pretty. Um, some of the boxes, actually, our garage, we've got a large number of garages. And one of them is completely full with boxes because we're like, we don't know where to put them in the house. We just put them in there. And then bit by bit we can unpack and deal with them. But we did that last time we moved. And so now we've got boxes that have been packed since we lived in Invercargill. And we're opening them up. And we have absolutely no idea what is in them. Or they've been rummaged through throughout the last couple of years trying to find something. And so you can't quite see what is in them or it's all a bit chaotic. So as I started unpacking these boxes, I'm finding stuff that we're wondering, why do I have to keep this? Who'd expect? Like, what the heck? I didn't even know I missed it. I didn't miss that. Do I actually need it? And so I started to go, oh, maybe my garage cellar's going to be a lot bigger than I realised it was going to be, because we have all the stuff that we haven't used and haven't missed. Do we actually need it? 
you know, why on earth would we hold on to it? It's got no purpose now in our lives. It's got no place. And holding on to it is creating a heck of a lot of unnecessary clutter. Like, it's crazy. Remember, our lives can be like that. We can hold on to past hurts and failings, to sins and habits that cause mess and clutter in our lives, making it hard to focus and just generally putting it in, generally getting in the way. Now, it's not until we start to deal with that that freedom comes and we realise that we're being held back. Have you ever found that um, clutter makes you feel just kind of, like, stressed? Um, I, I hate mess, but I tend to live in, in a sense of chaos a lot. And I find that when there's a lot of clutter around, it just drives me literally crazy. My poor family, um, you know, but when we have clutter in our lives, when you clear it out, there's a sense of, huh. Like for the past couple of weeks we've had, since we're moving in, we've had boxes in our kitchen because the kitchen isn't quite a usable space just yet. We're going to work on making it that way. So we put stuff, kitchen boxes in the kitchen. I'm like, I don't know where to put this. So it stays in the box until we can figure out a place to put it. So yesterday I said, right, that's it. I'm going to clear those boxes out of the kitchen and then we can find places for them. So I moved them to another room because, you know, just moving the clutter around. It's a great way to, to do things. But now I have a clear space in my kitchen, and so when I walk in here in the mornings, I don't feel like, oh my gosh, and trying to cook dinner isn't like a crazy thing of where is everything and tripping over everything. Now, when we clear out stuff, we clear the clutter from our lives, we clear out that sin, we clear out that shame, we clear out that guilt, that doubt, all of that stuff that holds on to us, there's a sense of freedom that comes, and we realise that we're being held back. You don't realise how you're being held back until it's gone. Because you just tend to live with it and not see the clutter and the mess while you're in it. Lent is a chance for us to recalibrate, to refocus, and to simplify our walk with Christ. It's a chance for us to deal with the mess and move forward into what God has for us. Pope Francis tweeted earlier this week, I love that the Pope is on Twitter. Like, <laughs> I just found a really cool irony with that. I think it's quite cool. So Pope Francis tweeted, Lent is a new beginning, a path leading to the certain goal of Easter, Christ's victory over death. As we journey through the season of Lent, moving forward to Easter, there is renewed hope. Easter is a celebration of the victory we have in Christ. Our sins are left nailed to the cross and we step into resurrection life that Christ has for us. Our price has been paid by our Heavenly Father's scandalous grace. Now, I love that. Scandalous grace. Now, the radio station I listen to on the way to work, I, the holy station doesn't have enough reception to get all the way to Queenstown. It gets me to about the war in me. And so I have to switch to a least holy. Very heft. Heft to switch to a least holy station. And they have this segment in their show called Scandal. And it's actually on every, like, the morning show, the, the midday show, and then the evening show, they have this thing called Scandal. And basically what it is, is where they're sharing the latest Hollywood snippets and celebrity gossip. Riveting stuff. And they find out what's going on in people's lives, and it's being reported around, probably on ETV or Women's Weekly and you know, rubbish stuff. Um, and, they, and they share it on this segment. Now, we've all heard it, right? We've all heard um, celebrity gossip and stuff on the radio, and they just kind of pick it apart and stuff. Now, none of it is newsworthy at all, like, it's not going to make you six o'clock news, or it shouldn't, or you should change the channel. Um, but it's more just to try and shock people, and it just kind of gets into that, um, you know, it just gets into kind of a bit of a lifestyle of looking at other people and, and you know, like gossip and stuff. It's not really that nice, you know. But 
far better scandal than what is repeated on, on those segments is the incredible, undeserved grace that our Father gave us and we celebrate at Easter. You know, our worst sins bought and paid for by the Father. Not so that, they, that we may be indebted to Him, but because of His incredible love for us. Now that grace is so scandalous because it's so countercultural. We didn't get what we deserved. We didn't get what, what we rightfully should. Instead of, in, instead of um, death, he's given us life. You know? The prostitute, seen by society as tarnished, made clean. Now that's, that's a scandal. That's scandalous grace. The drug addict who sold it all and stole for the next hit, set free from addiction, turning his life around. That's scandalous grace. That's a scandal worth repeating. The child who squandered the inheritance, welcomed back home with open arms and celebrations. That's scandalous grace. Where the world will tell us, no, they've had it all. Stuff them. Like, kick them to the curb. God says, no, you're my child and I love you. And I'm going to welcome you home and celebrate that. Now, how awesome is that? That is what, that is what um, we celebrate at Easter. This grace so scandalous. We, it is God's riches at Christ's expense. We don't get what we deserve. How amazing is that? You know, the Son in heaven who bore the weight of the sins of the world and gave his life so that we may be free from sin and shame. That's a scandal worth reporting. And I love that in this season of Lent, you know, as we journey towards Easter, we can, we can focus on what God has done for us, what he has given for us, and we can, it's almost like we're recentering ourselves, coming back to the basics, coming back to the heart of it, you know, letting go of the things that sometimes get in the way, and focusing on that. Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. What Christ did for us at Easter was he hung on that cross. He made us pure. He gave us life. He paid the price for us that we don't have to. Now this season of Lent, whether you choose to observe it or not, and how you observe it, is completely a personal thing. My prayer is that you'll be drawn closer to Christ, that there'll be less clutter and distraction in your life, and it'll be a renewed season of hope and purpose. Father, I just want to thank you for each person here. Thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for them, that you were thinking about them when you gave your life. Thank you that in you we do have hope. We do have purpose. We have reconciliation. We have restoration. We thank you for that. And as we go through this season of length, as we declutter, as we, as we focus on you, and, and however that looks like. Meet us in new ways. Meet us in fresh ways. May we hear your voice with greater clarity than ever before. May we know beyond all doubt when you are speaking to us and with what you are showing us. And may we be led by your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for each one of you. In Jesus' name, amen.